This is Daf Hey in Psachim. We will begin on Daf Dalad Amud Bet, about 13 lines from the bottom of the Amud. It says, Tananatam, we learned over there in the Mishnah, Rabbi Meir Omer, Ochlin kol chamesh, Vesrofin The day is divided into 12 halachic hours. The way that we divide it is by taking uh, the time from sunrise to sunset, according to most, uh, inter- according to most of the commentaries. And dividing it into 12 equal parts. So even though we talk about uh, hours, like the first, second, third hour, we might think of it as 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. Really, uh, it varies by day because it means the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth part of the day. Um, but so on a perfect day where sunrise was 6 a.m. and sunset was 6 p.m., so the hours would line up exactly with uh, the hours of a clock. So for the ease of understanding, we're going to imagine as if that were the case. So we know that the halacha is, according to the, uh, according to the Torah, one may not have any chametz, eat any chametz from chatzot and on, from midday and on, which is the end of the sixth hour of the day, the beginning of the seventh hour. However, the rabbis made a rule that one must dispose of the chametz, stop eating it and dispose of it before that. Rabbi Meir says you can eat the entire fifth hour, which means you can eat chametz from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. according to Rabbi Meir, but at 11 a.m., the beginning of the sixth hour of the day, you must burn the chametz. Rabbi Yehuda he says you can eat all of the fourth hour, meaning you can eat up till 10 a.m., four hours is completed, V'tolin kol chamesh, the fifth hour from 10 to 11 a.m. Tolin, you don't burn it, but you don't eat it. And V'sofin betchilat she agrees that at the beginning of the sixth hour, meaning at 11 a.m., is when you burn the chametz for good, including even truma, even holy uh, items that are chametz. Now the Gemara much later in this in the next parak will discuss this in greater detail. Here it's being brought for a different reason, just to clarify when the prohibition of chametz begins. What we see is that everybody seems to agree that starting at chatzot for sure, at midday for sure chametz is prohibited. Definitely in the sixth hour from 11 a.m. to 12, it is also prohibited and one burns it. <coughs> the question is, when does one have to stop eating it? Is it at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m.? Uh, so the Gemara says, According to everybody, for after the sixth hour, starting from chatzot, from uh, from the end of the sixth hour of the day, chametz is definitely prohibited. So, Minavan, where do we get this from? Amar Abaye Abaye says, There are two psukim, says Abaye. Ketiv It says that for seven days, seor, which is a word for not yeast, like people think, but the word seor in the Torah is referring to a starter dough, kind of a very, very high leaven dough that is used to create other doughs to make them rise. Seor, you may not be found in your houses. And it says, It says, In the first day you should rid your houses of Seor. So how can it work? It must be that you get rid of it on the, first, on the previous day. In other words, the concept is that even though the Torah speaks of not eating chametz during Pesach itself, which is the seven days according to the Torah from the 15th of Nisan, which starts the night of the Seder until the end of, the, of Pesach, seven days later, uh, even though that's what the Torah says, it also says you have to get rid of chametz on the first day. Now, it would be impossible to be free of chametz for all seven days if you don't get rid of it until the first day, because that means you started the first day possessing chametz already. So therefore, it must be that the word Bayom Rishon, that on the first day you have to get rid of chametz, is talking about the day before.
And that's why the, all the rabbis assume that you have to get rid of chametz the previous day. Erev Pesach. Maybe it means that you have to get rid of the chametz the night of the 15th. In other words, the night of the seder is the time. Maybe you can eat chametz and have chametz all the way up to the beginning of the seder and then you have to get rid of it then. And as long as all the daytimes are without chametz, meaning starting at least from the next morning, you definitely don't have any chametz, you should be okay. Right? Because why? Because it's the salkat you might have thought that yamim ketiv, yamim in lo. You might have thought that really you have to get, that really only the days are a concern. Right? Kamashmalan afilu lelot. It's coming to teach you that even the nighttime. In other words, you might have thought that the prohibition of chametz doesn't begin until the morning of Pesach and uh, after the uh, after the seder. And therefore, you need to be told that, no, from the very beginning, Rashi says, shelo yamtin ad the book. Don't wait till the next morning. Meaning from the beginning of the seder night, you have to get rid of chametz. Maybe that's what it means. Rashi says, you might have otherwise thought that it doesn't begin until the next morning, the prohibition of chametz. And maybe the night of the seder, in addition to doing the seder, you're supposed to get rid of the chametz. Maybe you would have thought that. So the pasuk is coming to tell you, no, you have to enter in to that night uh, without any chametz, right? So, the, so uh, that would mean that you that from the very beginning of Pesach you can't have any chametz, but that doesn't tell you that during the day you have to get rid of the chametz, right? So the Gemara says, um, so Kamashmalan afilu lelot that teaches you that no, even the nights are included. Even that night you have to be rid of the chametz. You can't wait until the next morning. Maybe that's what it means. So it says. The, uh, you don't need to be told that the night of the seder you have to be free of chametz. You don't need to know that. That's obvious. Why? Because Because the ridding of chametz from the house is connected to the prohibition of eating chametz. And the prohibition of eating chametz is connected to the mitzvah of eating matzah. How do we know that getting rid of chametz and not eating chametz are connected? Because it says for seven days, you should not find any leaven in your homes. Because anybody who eats chametz will be cut off. So that shows you that the eating of chametz and the getting rid of chametz are connected. How do we know that eating chametz and eating matzah are connected? Because it says any chametz you should not eat. Anywhere in your dwelling places. Meaning everywhere in your dwelling places you must eat matzah instead of chametz. So you see that don't eat any chametz. In all of your dwelling places eat matzah. That shows you that matzah is connected to not eating chametz. And we know that you have to eat matzah on the night of the seder. So what does that show you? That shows you that since we know that the night of the seder you have to eat matzah. And we know that eating matzah is connected to the prohibition of eating chametz, which means that you cannot eat chametz beginning from the time that you're supposed to eat matzah, which is the night of the seder. And since we know that once you can't eat eat chametz, you're also supposed to have chametz out of your house, because it says in the pasuk to get rid of chametz because you're not allowed to eat it. So whenever the prohibition of eating begins, the necessity of having it gone begins. And when you're not allowed to eat it, begins at the time that you're supposed to eat matzah. So therefore, by the night of Pesach, you definitely have to be rid of any and all chametz that you would have had. That's, so therefore, we don't need the pasuk of uh, to mean from the very beginning of the first night to get rid of chametz. We know already that from the very beginning you already have to be rid of chametz. We wouldn't need a pasuk to tell you that. That is obvious. So what does come to include? 
So maybe it means that the night before you have to get rid of chametz, meaning maybe you have to go back a whole 24 hours from the seder and get rid of chametz 24 hours before the seder. How do you know it's during the day of Erev Pesach that you get rid of it? By Yom Ketiv, because it says on the daytime, and the daytime means not the night before. Veima mitzafra, maybe it means first thing in the morning. So ach chilek, from the word ach, by Yom Arishon. However, the but means that you have to split the day in half. Half of the day, yes, with chametz, and half of the day without chametz. And that's how we know that starting from the middle of the day, chametz is prohibited, uh, is starting from then, even though it's half a day prior to the beginning of the uh, the actual holiday of Pesach. And that's how the Gemara is interpreting it. Devei Rabbi Ishmael, Tanad, Devei Ishmael taught the following. We find that the 14th of Nisan is actually called Rishon, the first. Because it says, on the first, right, uh, in the 14th of the month, um, and, and then the Pasuk continues, it says, In the evening, you should eat Matzah. So that shows you that uh, that we call that day of the 14th, Barishon, the first. Now really, the pshat of the Pasuk, if you read the Pasuk in the text, it means Barishon means in the first month, but, which is Nisan. But either way, the point is that it's interpreting Barishon as referring, Bar Ba'asar is referring to the 14th day of Nisan, and therefore you see that when it says, Ach Bayom Arishon, it means that you should get rid of the Chametz on Erev Pesach. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak Rishon, the Mashma. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak says, no, I think the word Rishon always means the day before. You don't need this creative uh, loop these creative gymnastics to uh, show that the word Bayom HaRishon means the day before. It always means the pr- previous day. It says in Iov, uh, were you, man, created first? Meaning when Hashem is challenging Iov and saying you were not there at the beginning of uh, of creation, you don't know, or when the, when the friends of Yov actually are challenging him, you are not there in the beginning of uh, of creation. How do you know how things were created and so on? Harishon Adam Tevaled. So there, Harishon means were you created previously? Okay, so that's so you see that the word Harishon means before. So therefore, Bayom Harishon means the day before Pesach. Get rid of the chametz. Maybe you're going to say the same thing about shaking the lulav. It also says there, Take for yourselves on the first day the lulav. Well, if I take from, if the first day means the day before, that means I should shake the lulav previous, you know, on the day, the previous day, the day before Sukkot begins. And we know that that's not true. So there you see, Bayom Harishon doesn't mean that. So it says, That's different because there it says you should take the lulav and etrog and you should celebrate before Hashem for seven days. So obviously the first day means the first of the seven days. And that's why it means the first day of the Chag. But normally if it said Bayom Harishon, it would mean the previous day. Meaning, just like the seventh day mentioned in that Pasuk is talking about the seventh day of the holiday, the first means the first day of the holiday. Okay, but Hachanami, we could say the same thing by, by Pesach. Because first it says you should get rid of Chametz on the first day, meaning the first day of the holiday. And then it says that you have to eat matzah for seven days. So maybe we could say the same thing and say that just like the seven days that it refers to eating matzah is referring to the seven days of the holiday. The first day maybe also means the first day of the holiday. How do you know it means the previous day, the day prior to the holiday? The extra hay is what tells you. It's what tips you off. It would otherwise say Rishon. Why does it say Harishon? It means the day before the holiday begins. Erev Pesach. Shema Minah. Therefore, you can see what we meant, which is here, Ach Bayom Rishon means on the, on the day prior to the holiday. It doesn't mean the first day, it means the day before you should get rid of Chametz. 
But if that's true, Hatam Nami Harishon Lamali have the same problem by Sukkot. It also says Ulukhtim Lachem Bayom Harishon, the first day. And according to your logic, Harishon should mean the day before Sukkot begins. Uvitu and moreover, Hatam Dichtiv Bayom Harishon Shabbaton Bayom Hashemini Shabbaton. It also says on the first day is a rest day and on the eighth day is a rest day. Are you going to say there also that Bayom HaRishon means the day before? Meaning you have, that the holiday means the day before the seven days of Sukkot that begin and not the first day of the seven days of Sukkot? So Hashanah Yatam, that's different. There it says clearly, And on the eighth day is a holiday. In that Pasuk, just like the eighth day means the eighth day of the holiday, the first day means the first day of the holiday. Not that you have to have a day even before that that's also a holiday. Harishon Lamali. So why does it say Harishon? To tell you that on Chol there's no prohibition of doing Lacha to exclude the days in between the first and the eighth days. That's why it says Harishon to emphasize that the prohibitions of work that apply in the first day of the holiday don't apply to the rest of the days until the eighth day. But But again, we don't need an extra Pasuk. To tell us that, from the fact that you tell us that the first and the eighth day are the days that have a prohibition of work, we don't need a special uh, a special pasuk to tell us that the middle days, you're allowed to work. So it's the you do need it, the Gemara says, Since it says, And on the eighth day, is a day of rest, you might have thought that that means all the seven days, and on the eighth day, it's also a day of rest. On Sukkot, meaning that all the days are days of rest. So Kamash Malan, that's why it comes to tell you by saying Bayom Arishon, the Yom, Bayom Arishon is coming to exclude Chol Moed that on only the only the first day and the last day are days of holiday. So you're creating a kind of a weird situation here where the Vav of Uva Yom Hashemini would have been taken to mean that Cholam Moed should also be prohibited in Melacha. So therefore you have to have the word Harishon to tell you that no, only the first and the last days but not the middle days are prohibited in Melacha. But then why don't we just drop both? Drop the Vav of Uva Yom Hashemini and just say Bayom Hashemini. Drop the He and say Bayom Rishon Shabbaton Bayom Hashemini Shabbaton and that's enough. Why do you have to create a problem with the Vav before the Yom Uva Yom Hashemini and then try, have to remove the problem by having Harishon? Again, you have another pasuk there that says Bayom Harishon Mikakodesh Yelachem that on the first day of the holiday it's a holy day. Rishon Dami Karamashma. You're going to tell me there too that uh, it means Meikaramashma uh, that it's that it's the day before and not the day of. Not the first day. Are you going to tell me that? It's, that? That doesn't make sense. So there, Rather, all of these Bayom HaRishons here that we see that are very confusing, they're not referring to any Limud about the day before. Only the one that we saw, that one is referring to the day before, and it means on the previous day, you should get rid of Chametz, the day before Pesach, the actual day of holiday of Pesach. But in all the other Bayom HaRishon, they're all coming to teach you a special uh, limud, a special insight, and are not to uh, be misunderstood as referring to the previous day. Because in the Yeshiva of Rishmael, they taught, uh, because of the reward of three words Rishon, or three ideas of Rishon, first, Rishon, the, the Jewish people merited three firsts, 
להחריד זרו של עשיו, they had the זכות of getting rid of the descendants of עשיו, and לבניין בית המקדש, ולשמו של משיח. And they have the opportunity to rebuild the Beit HaMikdash, and to have the name of the Mashiach. In other words, to be able to identify and have the Mashiach. So you have three, three rewards. One is getting rid of, of the descendants of Esav, one is building the Beit HaMikdash, and one is having the Mashiach. All of these because of the three Rishons of Pesach and Chag HaSukot and Netilat Dulav. These three mitzvot give us, a, uh, give us the Zichut of having another three Rishon benefits. Okay? Because it said by Yom Arishon, Mikra Kodesh Komalechet Avodah Lo Tasu. That was in uh, the case of uh, of Pesach, and then we had by Yom Arishon Shabbaton or by Yom Shemini Shabbaton. By Yom Arishon there, and then we all said Ulokachtem Lachem by Yom Arishon. These three by Yom Arishon that refer to Sukkot and Pesach give us three zechuyot. Lachid Zaroch Esav. How do we know that cutting off the seed of Esav? Dichtiv. Vayitzer Arishon Admoni Kol Kader Tzayar. Because it says Harishon, referring to Esav, came out all red. He was like a coat. He it was like he had a coat of hair on him. On him. So this is a, like a mantle of hair was on him. So that's uh, the Rishon of Esav. In reference to the Beit HaMikdash, it is called the throne of honor. Elevated, the place of the Mikdash, of our Beit HaMikdash. So that, that's the establishment of the Beit Tzion, The first of Tzion, meaning the Mashiach will behold, uh, will be there. So that idea again is Rishon. So three mitzvot of Rishon yield three benefits of Rishon. But therefore we don't interpret the Harishon in those cases as the previous day. But they are there for a drasha. There's another pasuk from which we can learn. And this is actually the pasuk that the Rambam brings in Mishneh Torah as the source for getting rid of Chametz the day before Pesach begins. On Erev Pesach. Because it says, It says, Do not slaughter on Chametz the blood of my offering. Don't slaughter the Pesach, but Chametz Kayam. Well, Chametz is still around. In other words, since the mitzvah of slaughtering the Korban Pesach begins midday on Erev Pesach, therefore you must be rid of your Chametz by then. But uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe you'll say each person should determine it by when they slaughter their own Korban Pesach. In other words, each individual. I'm slaughtering my Korban Pesach at 2, so I have to get rid of my Chametz by 2. You're doing it at 1.30. You have to have it by, done by 1.30. No, Zeman Shechita Machmana. The Torah is telling you the time of Shechita, when Korban Pesach begins being slaughtered by everybody, it uh, doesn't matter when your particular time is going to be. But in general, when, when the Korban Pesach begins to be slaughtered is when Chametz has to be gone. And that is Chatzot, midday of Erev Pesach. Tani Nami we learned in Abaita sources that support these different interpretations, these different sources for the prohibition of Chametz from Erev Pesach, because it says in Abaita that, however, on the first day, you must get rid of Seor, you must get rid of leaven from your houses, which refers to Erev Yom Tov. Maybe you'll say that it really means on the first day of Yom Tov itself. This is what Rav said. It says in the Pasuk, you cannot slaughter the Korban Pesach with, uh, with Chametz. That's Rabbi Ishmael's interpretation. That you can't have the Korban Pesach being offered with Chametz still in people's possession, and that's when the prohibition begins. Rabbi Akiva says, you don't need that. Because it says on the first day, you have to get rid of Seor from your houses. And it says on, on Yom Tov, it says, 
in the parentheses, and it should say what? It should say ye asebahem because it's the pasuk from Parshat Bo. Kom lachalo yasebahem. No melacha should be done in those days. And we know that burning, that lighting a fire, is an avmelacha, is one of the 39 principal labors that are prohibited on Shabbat and Yom Tov. So therefore, since you cannot burn chametz on the first day of Yom Tov, because it is one of the melachot, so the Torah cannot be telling you to burn chametz on that day, it must mean an error of Yom Tov. That's what Rabbi Akiva says. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi says you don't need that either, because Rabbi Yomer, he says it must mean when it says on the first day, get rid of chametz, it must be an error of Yom Tov. Why? How do you know it's not Yom Tov itself because Talmud Lomar Ach Chilek because the word Ach by Yom Rishon says something that you're going to split in half that you're going to separate obviously you cannot claim that half of the first day of Pesach you should be able to eat Chametz so since if we're talking about a day that is only half prohibited in Chametz it must be Erev Pesach because we know that the ridding of oneself of leaven from one's house is connected to lachilat chametz to the prohibition of eating chametz. Vachilat chametz, lachilat matzah, and we know that the eating of chametz, the prohibition on eating chametz, is connected to the eating of matzah, the mitzvah of eating matzah. So that means from the first night of Pesach, one certainly cannot have chametz anymore. From the very, very beginning of the holiday, one cannot have chametz. So when it says ach bayom rishon that there's a partial prohibition of chametz, a day that's partially prohibited in chametz, it must be the day before Pesach. It can't be the day of Pesach itself, because on the day of Pesach itself, it's no uh, once the mitzvah of matzah comes in, which is the Night of Pesach, so too did the prohibition of uh, of eating chametz and the requirement to be free of chametz come in. So Amar Ravah said, "Shema minami Rabbi Akiva Tzlat." You can learn three halachot from what Rabbi Akiva said. Rabbi Akiva said that the reason why we know that that chametz has to be uh, gotten rid of on erev Yom Tov is because to get rid of it on Yom Tov would require violating the Yom Tov by burning it. And since burning is one of the malachot, that wouldn't be allowed. So what do we learn from Rabbi Akiva in Bi'ur Chametz al-Sarifah? First of all, we see that Rabbi Akiva agrees with the opinion that we're going to learn later in the Masechet of Rabbi Yehuda <coughs> that you can only destroy Chametz from burning. Because if you didn't need to burn it and you could destroy it in another way, like feeding it to dogs or throwing it into the ocean, what would be the problem with doing that on Yom Tov? So clearly he thinks that you can only destroy it by burning. And Shamina Hava Lechalek Yatzat. And we also see that according to Rabbi Akiva, now this is a discussion that we've come across before. There's, an, there's a question of why the Torah singles out don't light a fire on Shabbat. Since we already know that lighting a fire is a melacha, why does the Torah have to come and say, don't light a fire on Shabbat in the beginning of Parashat Vayakil? Why does it have to say that? So some say the reason is because it's just telling you that each and every melacha is its own liability. Even if you did multiple different melachot, you're liable for each and every one. And that's why it identifies one of them to show you <coughs> that it's that you, that each and every melacha is a separate liability. The other interpretation is that no, uh, that that the reason why the Torah identifies lighting a fire separately from other melachot is to tell you that it's a, a lower status, that it's a lesser violation of Shabbat than the other melachot. So you see from this, Rabbi Akiva doesn't think that way because he says it's an av melacha. He says it's one of the principal melachot. It's on the same level as the other melachot. So burning is... Or lighting a fire is lechalek yatzad. It's only identified to show you that each and every melacha is a separate liability. If you did many melachot, you're liable for each and every one. Not to tell you that lighting a fire is any less than the other melachot. As we will learn in future sugyot uh, uh, here and also in Masachet uh, Beitzah, there is a machloket 
Melachot that the Torah permits on Yom Tov, does it permit it, do we say that since it's permitted for food, it's therefore permitted for other uses as well on Yom Tov, such as, for example, if carrying is allowed, uh, even without any iruv, even without any uh, enclosure on Yom Tov, for the sake of carrying food. Does that mean I can carry a Sefer Torah? Does that mean I can carry a Lulav? Does that, if I can light fire for food or for uh, things related to it, does that mean I can light fire for any purpose that I want? So you see from this, a machloket we're going to learn later in, in other sugyot, but the point is that you see from this that Rabbi Akiva does not subscribe to that. Because you could have said, well, since I'm allowed to light a fire to cook food, I should also be allowed to light a fire to destroy chametz and do the mitzvah. You see that he doesn't allow that, so therefore he must say that even though amlacha um, is permitted for some things, that doesn't mean it's permitted for anything. Now we go to a long b'rita. The Gemara is going to quote this b'rita and is then going to spend quite a while in upcoming dapim uh, clarifying this, uh, this b'rita. So we're just going to end up reading most of the b'rita uh, today, but probably will not get up to the part that explains the b'rita. That's going to take us all the way into tomorrow's daf. So, It says seven days you should not find or it should not be found. The leaven should not be found in your houses. What does it come to tell you? We already have a pasuk that says, We read it in the tefillin. Right? It says that it, we've already learned that you should not, it should not be seen by you. The chametz and the seor should not be seen. So why does it have to say, Shivat yamim? It should not be found in your houses. Isn't it the same thing? So it says, and that one says, in all of your, um, in all of your boundaries, you should not, it should not be visible to you, any chametz or soul. What does it come to tell you? It says, it should not be seen to you, which means you shouldn't see your own chametz, meaning it has to do with your possession of the chametz. But if, you, if somebody else's chametz is visible to you, it's not a problem. Vishal Gavar, even if it belongs to the Beit HaMikdash, it's consecrated chametz. It's not yours, it's not a problem. Maybe you'll say we can just cover the chametz without having to get it out of our possession, but just cover it. And you can, re- and maybe we'll say you can also receive deposits from non-Jews of their chametz. Talmud Lomar lo it shall not be found. Okay? So that's meaning you can't just cover it over. It can't even be there. Okay? Maybe that only means a non-Jew that is not under your control and doesn't live with you in the courtyard. But somebody who is under your control. How do we know that that person... Um, it, it, you know, how do we know the halacha in that person? And the person who is not... Who, who is under your control... Um, and, and is in your chatzir. How do we know? It should not be found in your houses. We'll see exactly what this means because it seems like the Gemara is, like the Braita is saying contradictory things about the status of the non-Jews chametz, but the Gemara will discuss it. Since it says, the chametz should not be found in your houses, how do we know that if it's in a cistern, in different kinds of holes in the ground, in caves. How do we know that it applies to that? Because it says there should be no chametz bechol gvolecha in all of your boundaries, not just in your houses. If you really look carefully at the pasuk, you see that one pasuk says that it should not be found in your houses, but it should not be seen 
in your uh, that's why it says, You can't, it cannot be seen and it cannot be found. And you cannot just cover it over. And you cannot receive deposits from non-Jews of their chametz, right? So that would sound like in your house, all of these things apply. It cannot be seen, it cannot be found. In any way, you cannot cover it over and so on. But when it comes to gvulin outside, all it says there is, that it should not be seen to you in your entire uh, boundary. So maybe you'll say that there, that outside in your, in your boundaries, you can't see your own chametz, but you could see other people's chametz. So, how do you know that all the halachot that apply? to outside your home, also apply to inside your home. And all the halachot that apply inside your home apply to outside your home. Talmud lamar, se'or, se'or, shava. The word se'or appears in both psukim, and it makes a shava, it makes an equation. Nemar se'or bebatim, se'or lo yimateh bebatechem. It says the word se'or, levin, when it comes to your houses. Vinemar se'or begvulin, and it says the word se'or when it comes to your boundaries, beyond your house. Because there's lo yalecha se'or b'chol gvulecha. Just like the one that is re- referred to when it talks about the house. You're subject to the prohibition that it cannot be seen and it cannot be found. And you can't just cover it over and hide it. And you can't receive deposits from Ananju and keep them. And so too, any chametz that is on your property, even though it's not in your house, but it's within your boundaries, you violated the prohibitions of not it not being seen, not being found, not being hidden there on purpose, and not uh, be uh, and not receiving uh, deposits from a non-Jew of chametz. The idea of that it says means it, that yours you should not see. So it sounds like in your house. Even chametz that is not yours, you should be liable for. Outside, it says only the chametz that is yours, you're liable for. So how do you know that the stringencies of the outside and the leniencies of the outside uh, apply inside and vice versa? Because we say, That leniency, that chametz that you see, outside, that the chametz that's outside your house, can, can, is only um, prohibited for you to possess if it belongs to you, also applies to chametz in your house. So all the rules that apply in the house to chametz that would be found in your house, which um, includes that it can't be seen, cannot be found, cannot be hidden there, cannot you cannot receive deposits from a non-Jew, okay? That, all that applies also to outside your house in your, in your uh, boundaries. And the rule that applies in your boundaries, the leniency that you're only responsible for chametz that belongs to you, also applies inside your house. So don't think that, yeah, there's a stringency about how much the chametz is um, able to be found in the house, but it applies even more. In other words, you might think that that rule, that leniency, that um, that chametz that doesn't apply to you is not your respon- that doesn't belong to you is not your responsibility doesn't apply in the house because it doesn't mention it by the house. So there, therefore, we see that there's a gzera about to tell you that it does apply, and the halachot of not being able to cover it over and so on to hide it in that way that apply inside the house. That stringency you might think doesn't apply outside the house because outside the house it just says v'lo 
that it shouldn't be seen. Maybe if you cover it, even though it's there, you still could say that it's covered and therefore not visible and that it should be okay. Maybe the law on the outside of the house is more lenient in that way. That as long as it's covered over, it's okay. Therefore, it's coming to tell you that no, the stringency that apply in the house also apply outside the house. The leniency that only for your own chametz are you liable that applies outside the house also applies inside the house. We're going to see the Gemara is going to spend a lot, a lot of time unpacking the details of this Brita in the coming Dapim.